You know, everyone makes mistakes, but the important thing is that we take responsibility for our errors, learn from them, make changes, and move on. Or you can work for the news media, then screw it. In the last few years, the American news media has been unmasked as a nearly criminally corrupt enterprise, deserting their duty to inform voters and instead adopting a policy of deceit in the name of protecting left-wing Democrats. On the other hand, whenever their corruption has been exposed, they have turned inward and examined themselves and changed their ways, and then I woke up and it was all just a beautiful dream, and they were still lowlifes. For example, the recent Department of Justice Inspector General report revealed several instances in which the news media made the innocent, unintentional error of getting caught being lying dirtbags. For instance, there was their coverage of the Devin Nunes memo in which Nunes pointed out that the FBI had gotten FISA warrants on false pretenses. The media universally denounced the memo, and the Washington Post called it a joke and a sham. However, now that the IG has found that every word in the Nunes memo is true, the Post has promised to issue a correction, though it will be a magic, invisible correction, only visible on the 1st February after hell freezes over. Likewise, Adam Schiff, who lied about Donald Trump's collusion with Russia, then lied about his own collusion with the Ukraine call leaker, it turns out also lied about the Steele dossier, and yet the media continues to believe him. As New York Times editor-in-chief blithering prevarication III remarked, quote, we journalists must take an honest look at ourselves, especially at that mole on the inside of my thigh, which looked like a rubber ducky yesterday, but today looks more like a polar bear, unquote. Mr. Third says he plans to continue this sort of soul-searching because he feels his soul is bound to turn up sooner or later. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, You know, this has been a really amazing week in a lot of ways. It's been full of so much misconduct and dishonesty, and yet it's kind of hopeful at the same time. The Democrats truly have disgraced themselves, pushing forward with their impeachment charade in spite of the fact their hearings have turned up not a single crime, and the public is clearly rejecting the entire scheme. And at the same time, the media once again threw its integrity on the barbed wire to attempt to distort and disguise the massively damning truth of the Horowitz report, which in revealing the outlandish misuse of power by the Obama administration's FBI also revealed the outlandish deceptiveness of the mainstream press that covered up for it. Watching the Democrats behave in a way that is genuinely harmful to the country and watching the press not only lie about their actions, but lie about the fact that they lied about their actions before, it would be easy to lose hope. It would be easy to say that we're so infested with freedom haters and they're so protected by the media's cloud of mendacity, no good can come of it. And yet, you can't help getting the feeling that good may be coming from it, that the public is getting wise, that the narrative is turning toward the truth, and that, as with Rudy Giuliani's mayoralty in New York and Ronald Reagan's American presidency, the sheer success of Trump's pro-American enterprise is slowly overcoming the widespread power of the left's empire of lies. As I've often said, conservatives are like doctors. Ours is a noble but tragic business. We're trying to conserve a living thing, American liberty, and like all living things, liberty will one day die. But not today. Today, we have coming up on 200 new constitution-loving judges in the federal courts. We have an attorney general who will withstand criticism to protect our civil liberties from a rampaging deep state. 
Today, our fellow citizens of every color have jobs to give them support and dignity, and the economy-destroying socialists and climate hysterics are largely powerless. Today, we have a president who moved to protect our fellow citizens who are Jews, who are always the canaries in the coal mine of oppression. And every day conservative wi conservatism wins, every day liberty lives, another child is born free, another life is completed in freedom, and we're all of us handed another chance to keep the republic going for yet another day more. With a sense of tragedy and a sense of humor and just enough courage to get by, it really is amazing how much shenanigans we can endure and how much good we can accomplish. Personally, I'm grateful to be even a small part of the fight. I'm grateful I wasn't born in chains. I'm grateful that every time in my life the West has attempted suicide, we held the gun to our head, pulled the trigger, and missed. Go figure. The left has done its worst this week and has been exposed for having done even worse before now, and yet here we are, and it's a good day to be free. I'm going to show you the alternative universe the press is living in compared to the reality that was exposed this week. But first, I am going to tell you about ExpressVPN. I have this running on my computer right at this very minute. I have it running all the time. You don't even notice it's there, and yet it protects your uh, information online so you don't get hacked. Getting hacked sucks. It sucks to have people take your information, whether they use it to feed ads to you or use it for more nefarious purposes. You need protection. At The Daily Wire, we invest thousands of dollars in cybersecurity because we're a regular target of attacks. But as an individual internet user, you don't need an IT department to protect you. All you need is ExpressVPN. And you might be thinking that security uh, threats don't affect you personally, but that's the wrong way to think about it. Not using ExpressVPN is like leaving your front door unlocked every time you go out. One of the easiest ways to secure your internet data is with ExpressVPN. You click one button on your computer or smartphone and you're protected. My question is, why haven't you gotten ExpressVPN yet? Visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Clavin, and get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's an extra three months, and you can protect your internet today with the VPN I trust to keep my data safe. Go to expressvpn.com slash Clavin to get started. You know how to spell VPN, but how do you spell Clavin? There are no E's in Clavin. There are no E's in Clavin. <laughs> That's right. I just make it look easy. I don't even know if I make it look easy, but there are no E's in Clavin. Another Kingdom comes out tomorrow for subscribers. So subscribe. You want to subscribe and then you will get it early and that will shorten the Clavinless weekend by one day. This, by the way, is the greatest episode yet. It, no kidding. I listened to it yesterday. It is amazing. The sound on it is amazing. The music is absolutely beautiful. It is an incredibly, incredible, exciting, and incredibly exciting. And even Michael Knowles does a satisfactory job in delivering, in delivering. It really is terrific. And everybody can get it Monday, but if you subscribe, it's available tomorrow. So Michael Horowitz went before the Senate and testified. And I, want to, I just want to play you the alternative universe that the left and the press, but I repeat myself, are living in. I just want to show you the two worlds laid up right next to one another. First, here, here's how David Muir at ABC opened his show with this lead. Now to the battle on Capitol Hill tonight over the report on the Russia investigation that determined no deep state, no spying on the Trump campaign. The author of that report, the Inspector General Michael Horowitz, saying the launch of the Russia investigation was, in fact, justified. All right. So here's that's that's the ABC lead. And he did get into some of the you know malfeasance and things like this. But here is 
uh, Horowitz being questioned first by Patrick Lee, a Democrat, and then I think by Lindsey Graham, a Republican. Is it correct that you found uh, no evidence that the investigation was motivated by anti-Trump or political bias? Is that correct? We found no evidence that the initiation of the investigation was motivated by political bias. It gets murkier. The question gets more challenging, Senator, when you get to the FISA and when you get to the other, when you get to the attorney's actions, for example, in connection with that FISA. Did they have a duty to report to their supervisors and eventually to the court exculpatory information? Absolutely. They did not? They did not. Why? That's the question um, I can't specifically answer for you. Can you say it wasn't because of political bias? On, on decisions regarding those FISA matters, I do not know okay. their state of mind Fair at enough. this point. <laughs> so, so David Miller, no spine, no deep state. Horowitz, uh, I don't know, a lot of mistakes. I don't know what they were up to. He is saying, essentially, information came in that justified starting an investigation, but pretty soon afterwards, not so much. Let's listen. This is the guy who's now become my favorite American because, you know, I'm here to be entertained. I love to laugh my way through the fall of the republic. James Comey is now the funniest man in America. You know, it used to be Louis C.K. It is now James Comey. James Comey has been called dangerous by Michael Horowitz. Michael Horowitz recommended that he be prosecuted. And every time he does this, Comey goes on TV, vindicated. I'm, look at this. I'm vindicated. I'm vindicated. You know, just think like, wait, they just said you should be arrested. They just said you were dangerous. They just said you were insubordinate. I'm vindicated. So here, let us see if he is vindicated. Here is what he said about the FISA process. Now, remember, this is the process where they got the warrant to spy on Americans. On a Carter Page, who they said was a Russian spy, who they knew was spying for us against the Russians, they, this is how the FISA process, how they got the warrant to spy on Americans. Here is Comey talking about that beforehand. I have total confidence that the FISA process was followed and that the entire case was handled in a thoughtful, responsible way by DOJ and the FBI. I think the notion that FISA was abused here is nonsense. The notion that FISA was abused is nonsense. Here is Horowitz uh, answering a question about this from Lindsey Graham, cut four. What I want you to know is that in January 2017, the whole foundation for surveilling Carter Page collapses exculpatory information is ignored. They lie to the court about what the interview was all about. Is that a fair summary so far about the January 2017? Um, I'll, uh, they certainly misled, the, the, it was misleading to the court. Okay, was, fair enough. And in January, about six months later, when they find more information that could be helpful to Mr. Page, they lie about it. Do you feel like Mr. Page was treated fairly by the Department of Justice and the FBI? Um, I don't think the Department of Justice fairly treated these FISAs, and he was on the receiving end of the FISA. You would not want to be on the receiving end of this, would you? I would not want agents or anybody failing to put forward all the information they're obligated to tell the court. So here's what was going on. This Steele dossier, we keep talking about this, right? This was oppo research paid for by the Democrats and by Hillary Clinton, right? There's some, there's, there's some connection to the GOP at the very start, but it had nothing to do with what was ultimately produced. The oppo research that they had by, from Christopher Steele was paid for by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. Steele hated 
Trump. He was passionate about this, and the FBI knew it. They talked to what they call his subsource, the guy who was his source, and he said, I, you know, I don't know why he took what I was saying seriously. I was just gabbing. I don't, I don't even know what they, and the FBI knew it and they kept putting it on the FISA warrants. They kept putting it on there, even though they knew it. And they didn't tell the FBI, they didn't tell the Department of Justice lawyers, the guys, they didn't know. The FBI just wasn't, no, this is Comey's FBI. Was Comey vindicated? This is cut three. The FBI, former FBI director James Comey said this week, <clears throat> that your report vindicates him. Is that a fair assessment of your report? Um, I, you know, I think the activities we found here don't vindicate anybody who touched this. You, you know, when, when you read deeper into this report and all these journals are pretending to read it, and I've read the, the summary, uh, it's 500 pages, I haven't read the whole thing, but, all, you know, when you read deeper into this, he says, you know, we did not go looking for, we did not second guess the motives of what people were doing. We didn't look into their souls. We didn't cross-examine them. If they said we did it for perfectly good reasons, they didn't, and they didn't find any documentary evidence. There was no struck in page text going back and forth saying, let's get this guy and I don't care about the proof. You know, if they didn't, if they didn't have that, he didn't guess at their motives. The fact that there were these 17 incredible uh, you know, he calls them, I don't know what he calls them, er- errors and omissions. I, they, I mean, they're obvious lies, they're obvious deceit, and all of, and if they're errors, they're all errors on one side. They're all errors of one side. Later on in the show, I'm going to talk about this movie, Richard Jewell, which I've seen. I get these, I don't even know if it's opened in theaters yet. I think it may, may open this weekend. Uh, I'm not sure, but I, you know, I get the screener, so I see it before, and I, I, I'll, I'll talk about that. What we have seen is a complete runaway train, and Harwood says he doesn't know why they did it, and he questions all of that. Here is, now, again, going back to this steel thing, and, you know, I, I hate to get it. I know these things start to sound like conspiracies, and you have to remember who this one is and who that one is, but basically, all you have to remember is they used this bogus uh, document, these bogus charges that... John Brennan pushed and that uh, Comey made sure got out to the press these bogus charges against Donald Trump for, in this Steele dossier. They use them to get a warrant to spy on Americans. When they get one of these FISA warrants, man, they can tap your computer. They can tap your phone. They can bug your house. They can do whatever they want. This is spying on Americans. This is the FBI spying on Americans. And it is appalling. It is appalling that our press is, is defending. You know, Chris Cuomo was on TV saying, how can Donald Trump call the FBI? He calls them scum, our beautiful FBI. And he calls the leadership scum. That's all he said about this. But, but... This is spying on Americans, and all you have to know is a steel document they knew was bogus. All right, so here is a, from last year, is Comey talking to Brett Baer about whether the steel document, remember this is the guy who was the head of the FBI, this is whether the steel document was at the heart of the FISA warrant. You called the dossier unverified, salacious. Why did you use that to the FISA court to ask for surveillance for Carter Page? Not only use it, but you led with it. A bulk of that FISA application deals with that dossier. Why? Yeah, that's not my recollection, Brett. And I don't know that the FISA application has been released. My recollection was it was part of a broader mosaic of facts that were laid before the FISA judge to obtain a FISA warrant. There was a lot more than the dossier in the FISA application? My recollection was there was a significant amount of additional material about Page and why there was probable cause to believe he was an agent of a foreign power. And the dossier was part of that, 
but was not all of it or a critical part of it, to my recollection. Not all of it, not a critical part of it. Here is Horowitz on how the Steele dossier was used as a cut seven. The Crossfire Hurricane team obtained information from Steele's primary subsource in January 2017 that raised significant questions about the reliability of the Steele reporting. This was particularly noteworthy because the FISA applications relied entirely on information from the from the steel I'm sorry from the primary subsources reporting to support the allegation that Page was coordinating with the Russian government on 2016 US presidential election activities. However, the FBI did not share this information with department lawyers and it was therefore omitted from the last two renewal applications. So not only did they rely entirely on information that was in the Steele report, but the guy who gave that information told them it was untrue. And there was James Comey, former head of the FBI, looking Brett Baer right in the face and saying to him, it was nothing. It was not an important part. It wasn't a critical part. It was a minor thing. We tossed it in there. A little note. It was a little undernote that we had. It was like, they lied. They lied. And then they went on TV and they lied about lying. And then the press lied. And then the press lied about lying. It is an amazing, amazing collapse that has gone on this week. Of all these people, of all of them, I just want to play this one piece of our our buddy, Senator Ted Cruz, who just gives you a sense of what these guys were doing, questioning Horowitz here. Let's hear this. So the men and women at home need to know what's happening. A lawyer at the FBI creates fraudulent evidence, alters an email, that is in turn used as the basis for a sworn statement to the court that the court relies on. Am I stating that accurately? Uh, that's correct. You know, I was talking before, <laughs> this is unbelievable. I was talking before about Chris Cuomo and his bleeding heart for the FBI. How could you possibly, you know, <laughs> the FBI. And this is the way he ended that report. There is no proof of spying. Zero. <laughs> no proof of spying. Zero. Here's what they did. They came in, they came in and they said, we're going to brief to President Trump. And they said, we're going to brief you on our investigation. And in fact, they were questioning him. They were using what they told him was a briefing, you know, classic, the classic way that cops uh, treat scales. You know, I mean, they, there's uh, again, I'll, I'll talk about this in the uh, in the jewel movie. That's essentially what they do to him. They pretend he's part of the investigation while they're investigating him. Here is Byron York, because he lays it out so cleanly in The Examiner. In addition to the much-discussed wiretap of Trump campaign foreign policy advisor Carter Page, Horowitz discussed the Bureau's use of what? Of confidential human sources, right? Or as they're called, informants. An undercover employee or a secret agent to gather information from at least three targets in the Trump campaign. Page, George Papadopoulos, uh, and the third was an unnamed a high-level Trump campaign official. Horowitz described multiple uh, sources, operations undertaken by the Crossfire Hurricane team. There were numerous, they call them CHS, uh, Confidential Human Sources. There were numerous CHS interactions with Page and Papadopoulos. There was the CHS contact with the high-level campaign official. And then there was a, were additional CHSs who attempted to contact Papadopoulos but did not succeed. All of the meetings and conversations were secretly recorded by the FBI. Some were also monitored live as they happened by agents and supervisors. The Horowitz report quoted liberally from transcripts from the reporting. 
no spying, zero, 100% no spying. They were spying on him. They were spying on him. You know, I mean, and Horowitz is a very, you know, I don't like the fact that they attack Horowitz. Horowitz had a job to do. He did his job. His job was of limited scope. I told you this before, uh, you know, uh, um, Kim, Kimberly Strassel warned people about this. This was his job. It's an in-house thing. It's a guy who goes around. He asks the people working, how did you do this? What, what, what went on here? He found all kinds of malfeasance, all kind of dishonesty, all kind of omissions and errors, which were lies and distortions and tricks. He found all that stuff. He's not testifying as to the motives. He says he doesn't know what their motives were. Yes, they had, he talks about a quantum. They had a quantum of motivation to start the investigation, which where he says the bar is way too low and needs to be overseen. There needs to be oversight and it needs to be changed. He says it was way too low when it uh, threatens your constitutional rights, the First Amendment. But, it did fulfill that quantum of motivation. So he can't say anything about that because he's not talking about motivations. But after that, it was party time. After that, it was like, what, what did uh, um, what did Ted Cruz said? He said they were trying to be Jason Bourne, but they were Beavis and Butthead. And that's essentially what it was. Let, let me, I'm going to end this segment uh, and talk and go on to talk about the impeachment nonsense. But first, uh, let, let me end it uh, with Attorney General Bill Barr, because all you are hearing from the press, these liars, these people who have lied and lied and lied, who are lying now and lying about the fact that they lied. They're lying about having lied about having lied at this point. And this is ABC and CBS and NBC. They're all doing it. They are all lying. And these are the people who covered up Jeffrey Epstein. These are people who are virtually a criminal enterprise. Our, our news media is virtually a criminal enterprise. All of them are now trying to tar Bill Barr because they know his investigator, Durham, is coming down the track like a freight train and is about to run right over them. And to, for that investigation, I think we have good reason to suspect that we are going to learn a lot more and learn a lot about their motives. And here is what Barr had to say. I think he should he sums it up. I think probably from a civil liberty standpoint, the greatest danger to our free system is that the incumbent government use the apparatus of the state, principally the law enforcement agencies and the intelligence agencies, uh, both to spy on political opponents, but also uh, to use them in a way that could affect the outcome of the election. As far as I'm aware, this is the first time in history that this has been done to a presidential campaign. What's so Obama out. <laughs> yeah. Obama out is right. That is that is Obama. I mean, that is, you know, he not only used the IRS in one election, we know he used the IRS to silence the Tea Party in one election. He used the FBI to investigate an opponent in another election. That is your left. That is your press. That's that's who they are. That's what they do. That And, and now they're lying about it and they're covering it up. But it is what they do. And it's a, an amazing, amazing thing. It is all coming out. And you just have to hope that people know. You know, I mean, it, sometimes you get so frustrated. You think like, wow, they put up this fog of lies. ABC, NBC, the New York Times, Washington Post, all of it putting out this fog of lies. Will the people see through it? I think they will. This impeachment thing is, is I mean, you can tell by the way they're handling this impeachment. They're trying to get through it so fast. So fast because they obviously it's like a slimy hot potato. It's not just a hot potato. It's a slimy hot potato. They can't wait to get this thing out of their hands. They haven't 
found a single crime. They are making up crimes. You know, the, the Wall Street Journal called it the incredible shrinking impeachment. And they said, at least with Andrew Johnson, when he was impeached, he was impeached for violating a specific statute, the Tenure of Office Act, by firing Edward Stanton as Secretary of War. There was wide agreement that Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton violated criminal statutes. In this case, Democrats don't even try to allege a criminal act. And they have these things. He said, they say, this is the Wall Street Journal. Whatever happened to bribery and extortion? Democrats spent weeks talking them up as the crimes of Mr. Trump's Ukraine interventions. They had turned to those words after focus groups with voters found them more compelling than quid pro quo. Yet suddenly they're gone. Have Democrats concluded that Mr. Trump's actions aren't illegal under statutes that have specific meaning? So they come up with this thing, abuse of power, which could mean anything in the world. I mean, every, every president abuses his power in some way. And the other one is obstruction of Congress. And I love that one because what they're saying about it is that he wouldn't, he wouldn't comply with their demands and they wouldn't take him to court, which is the way it works. Remember, that's the separation of powers. The president doesn't work for Congress. The president is an entire other set, uh, other center of power. He is not responsible to them when they when they have the right to call him, they, he can go to the court and say, no, they're violating my executive privilege or whatever he, argument he wants to make. And if the court, if it goes up to the Supreme Court and the court says, nope, you got to comply, you got to go and testify, you got to send your papers over. And that has happened in, in history, in American history, happened to Nixon. If they do that, then he's got to show up. But they haven't done it. They're essentially saying he wouldn't play along with their charade. It was like we gave a party and he wouldn't come. It is absolutely incredible. Meanwhile, the White House Office of Management and Budget released a new legal memo on Wednesday indicating that the Trump administration's decision to temporarily hold military assistance to Ukraine was a routine practice and that the administration was reviewing whether Ukraine complied with U.S. policy. This is what this whole whole thing is about, right, that he didn't release this aid, lethal aid, that the Obama administration didn't send, right? The Obama administration sent those bubble wands that he had so they could blow those at the invading Russians. But Trump, Trump sent the missiles and sniper rifles, okay? But it was held up as a routine matter. The memo indicated that the decision to withhold the aid was not a political action to block Congress's spending decisions. The office first began discussing the aid on June 19th, the day President Trump learned of the aid from an article in the Washington Examiner and questioned the wisdom of the spending. This is the Washington Post reporting where democracy dies in blithering uh, stupidity. That move sent aides scrambling, according to a senior administration official who spoke in the condition of anonymity, to share internal conversations. In other words, Trump read in the paper that we were sending this over this aid, and he said, should we be doing this? And so they took a look at it. It was a routine delay. Why are they doing this? And why the rush? Why the rush? Jerry Nadler tells you exactly why the rush. What is the risk if we do not act? Over the past 94 days since the House investigation began, indeed, over the last three years, one indisputable truth has emerged. If we do not respond to President Trump's abuses of power, the abuses will continue. We cannot rely on an election to solve our problems when the president threatens the very integrity of that election. Nor can we sit on our hands while the president undermines our national security and while he allows his personal interests and the interests of our adversary Russia to advance. The president's lawyer, personal lawyer was in Ukraine again just last week. That was not three years ago. 
That was not three months ago. That was Saturday. President Trump's continuing abuses of power jeopardize our security and our elections. The threat is urgent. If we do not act now, what happens next will be our responsibility as well as his. Why the f- you lying? Why? Why you always lying? <laughs> now, that we, we added that extra part. He actually didn't actually burst into song. Uh, but, but, you know, that he says we can't trust an election to solve our problems. And Adam Schiff said the same thing. We can't trust an election. Why? Because Trump colluded with the Russians in the last election, and he'll do it again. But we know Trump didn't collude with the Russians. We know this. They, they just are so used to having a press lie for them. They are so used to having the press lie for them. And, you know, back in, back in the day, like when I was a kid, <clears throat> when we had three television stations and Walter Cronkite would end his news program, he was the big news guy on CBS, and he would end his news program, that's the way it is, and that's the way it is. And we thought... That must be the way it is, right? He was famous for this. He was famous for being, they called him Uncle Walter. He was the most trusted person in America. When he told us that's the way it is, we thought that's the way it is. Now we know. As I always say, it's like that scene in uh, Singing in the Rain. When they bring up the curtain, we see the Democrats singing behind the newsmen. Now we know. But they still think we're surrounded in this cocoon of lies. They still think they're pulling one over on us. So when they say, well, he colluded with Russia before, and so we can't trust him not to forget, they forget. We know he didn't do that. Maybe their base doesn't know. Maybe their base is reading the New York Times and they're still messed up. You know, Laura Ingram did something so great. I got to, I got to steal her her little montage, but I give her full credit for it. It was really uh, her picking this out, but it was absolutely true. She picked out the fact that they, they had this hearing last night on which two non- criminal charges uh, they were going to make up to throw at Trump. And so they're, they've got, the, it's so weak sauce. And of course, the Republicans are just dancing on their heads at this point. I mean, it's almost embarrassing. I can barely watch when Jim Jordan goes after them. It's so, it's so embarrassing. I'm, I'm humiliated for the Democrats. <laughs> but, but they were, but uh, Laura was talking about the fact that they have this highly scripted show. It went on, it was like at nine o'clock. I can't imagine anybody was watching this thing where they were talking about their own lives and how in, much they love the Constitution. And she just put together this, just this little snippet of it. When I was five, my dad was the police chief of Algona, Iowa. He was and still is a law and order guy. When I was just 16 years old, I came to this country by myself. I grew up in Florida. I am the youngest of seven children. Nobody cares! Nobody cares! I I couldn't have said it better myself, and I couldn't have sung it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Who cares? But this is what the Democrats always do. Look, I'm having my teeth brushed, so let's go socialist. Look, I'm giving my husband a beer, so let's destroy the the economy. Look at at me. I'm I'm skateboarding. I'm skateboarding. Let's hate America because it's racist. It's just amazing how stupid they think we are. It is wonderful. Wonderful, 
wonderful, wonderful house. But, you know, I'm always worried that Trump's affect is going to alienate people. And it obviously does alienate people. It obviously alienates women. You know, he's got this economy that's going through the roof. You want a job, it's yours. We're going to need illegal immigrants if he keeps it up. We're not, we've already got like a million jobs open with nobody to fill them. It, it is amazing what the guy has done for the country. His judges are great. He's doing it. His, the military is, uh, is back. He's got our not just our enemies on the run. He's got our allies rethinking the way they've mistreated us and the way they've relied on us without paying us for all these years. He's doing a terrific job as president, but he is a loud, obstreperous, flawed guy. There's no question about it. There is no question that he's a person who puts some people off. And I worry about that. But how can they not be put off by this? How can they not be put off by being treated like fools? I'm skateboarding. Let me destroy your country. You know, I'm giving a beer to my husband. Let me destroy the economy. It's amazing how they can think that's going to work. If it does work, we don't deserve to be free. I mean, that's that's it's that simple. If it really if it does work, we do not deserve this beautiful country that's been handed down to us. I'm going to stay on the air because it's the last day. And I know if you can't suck up all the Clavenly goodness uh, you get, you have no chance of surviving the Clavenless weekend, even with all the Clavenly goodness you can get from my staying on the air, your chances are really low, I have to tell you. But that's no reason not to subscribe. In fact, it's all the more reason for the guilt to push you into subscribing. And for as little as 10 bucks a month, you can get our articles ad-free, get access to all of our live broadcasts, our full show library, you get select bonus content, and you get the Daily Wire app. And more than that, you get to be in the mailbag so all your problems will be solved. Speaking of which, by the way, somebody wrote in the mailbag and asked if he should join the military. And I uh, and I said, yes, many people wrote to me, many military people wrote to me and said one answer might be for him to join the National Guard or one of the branches of the state guard, one of the branches of the military uh, where he wouldn't have to quit his job. That is, in fact, another solution, although I didn't think it would necessarily uh, fit the bill of the guy who wrote in. But I thought I should mention that. But. Let's get back to your subscription that I know right this minute you're filling in uh, so that you can get. We have this new higher level subscription, the all access plan, where you get everything that you get with a regular subscription. Plus <laughs> the leftist tears tumbler, the legendary leftist tears tumbler. It's got it not only has leftist tears, it has Steve Crowder's tears in here because he's crying that he didn't have this tumbler. Plus, you get our brand new Ask Me Anything style discussion feature where we all come on and talk to you online. It is a good, good deal. All right, let us talk about Jews. We're going to do the, the Jew roundup, not the bad kind of Jew roundup. We're just going to, there's a lot of new, you know, the, the election is on in England. And, uh, you know, when this guy Jeremy Corbyn took over the Labor Party, he is a loon. He is an absolute loon and he's a bad, bad man. And he exemplifies the anti-Semitism of the left, which focuses on Israel, uh, but is actually truly and they really do hate the Jews. And like, you know, I, I don't believe this thing. I've, I've heard Ben say this. I've heard a lot of people say it, that that somehow uh, hating Jews is is related to conspiracy theories. And the same people who do conspiracy theories hate Jews. I don't believe that. Jew hatred is too deep in the Western mind. Uh, It has always been since Christianity, since Christendom, the Jews were the other. They were the people who killed Christ. They were the people who weren't Christian. They were the infidels who were at home while the uh, Muslims were an outremer, uh, you know, in in another land. Uh, and, And it is so deep in the Western mind that it really goes beyond that. I believe that the hatred of Jews, the reason that Jew hatred always shows up 
when a philosophy has gone off the rails and it shows up on the left and the right, no question about it, left and the right, we got the Groypers with their anti-Semitism and we got the uh, divest movement against Israel with their anti-Semitism. It's on both sides, no question about it. But I just believe it is a hatred of God. I believe it's a, you know, it's a hatred. It's that kind of Nietzschean thing that the Jews introduced to kind of slave God, a God for poor people, a God for nice, a God that calls us to love our neighbors instead of conquering them. You know, that was those rotten Jews introducing the Ten Commandments. You know, you know how rich I'd be without the Ten Commandments. I mean, that really is the kind of uh, hatred. I think it is that deep. And here, just here's just a take of Corbyn. They're saying the polls are close. I, 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 I please God, the British are not so stupid that they would elect Jeremy Corbyn. But it is a reminder that these socialists are always dangerous. When they appointed him, people were saying, well, that's the end of the Labor Party. And I said, you know, as long as he heads the Labor Party, there is a danger he will get elected. And, you know, Boris Johnson is like Trump. He puts people off. He's a kind of a loose cannon. Uh, so there is this chance that this guy could get elected. Here is what he said about the Jews in the press. There is pressure on the BBC from probably Mark Thompson, who seems to me to have an agenda in this respect. There seems to be a great deal of pressure on the BBC from the Israeli government and the Israeli embassy, and they are very assertive towards all journalists and the BBC itself. They challenge every single thing on reporting the whole time. Uh, I think there is a bias towards saying that um, Israel is a democracy in the Middle East. There's Israel has a right to exist. Israel has its security concerns. He's pushing. <laughs> Those evil Jews are pressuring the BBC uh, to say that Israel has a right to exist and is a democracy in the Middle East. Come on, man. <laughs> Israel is a democracy in the Middle East, and if it doesn't have a right to exist, I'd like to know what other countries don't have a right to exist. Uh, is it only Jewish countries? Because that's the only country I ever hear discussing its right to exist. The only country on earth where I ever hear anybody discussing its right to actually be there is the Jewish country. I'm suspicious. Then we had that <clears throat> Horrif horrific. I mean, all these uh, bigoted attacks are horrific. We had the one in Philadelphia by the alt-right guy, and that, of course, exploded because it was the right wing. So the left went after. But this was not. This was in New Jersey. It's really sad because it was in... Uh, uh, Jersey City, where which is where Ellis Island is. That's just right off the coast is Ellis Island, where all the immigrants come in. So Jersey City has this great pride uh, in its welcome to immigrants and its, and its diversity and all that stuff. And these two people, one of whom, a man and a woman, one of whom was a member of this black Hebrew Israelite cult. Uh, these are the guys who were taunting those Covington school kids, as you remember. And they believe that, I think they believe what I think what they believe is that they're the Jews and therefore they hate the real Jews for being the real Jews. And they went into this supermarket, just a kosher supermarket, uh, and killed people. And the police are saying now they feel that they targeted uh, the market. And <clears throat> just just horrible. The mayor is calling it a hate crime, uh, which obviously it is. And um, it's just, um, it, it really is, it, you know, you can see you can see them. There's an actual clip of them uh, going in and uh, attacking the market, which is just if you're if you're watching, not just listening. Uh, it, it really is this horrific thing uh, that went in and they killed um, three people inside the the Jersey City kosher supermarket, and then they went into this heat style uh, gunfight with the police, and then a, and a police officer uh, had been killed had been killed earlier in a shootout in the cemetery when he had questioned them. Uh, that the that that heat style gunfight had happened beforehand, so it was just awful. They also recovered a pipe bomb from a stolen van, and then there was another uh, killing that they're now looking into. Just just awful. So meanwhile. In the wake of this, our evil president 
was conspiring to help the Jews with an executive action. And here, I mean, listen, you want, you want to see Alan, what Alan Dershowitz looks like when he's happy? Here's Dershowitz talking about this executive order, and then I'll explain it. For 65 of my 81 years, I have spent at universities uh, all over the country and all over the world. There is no more important event in those 65 years to turn universities away from being bastions of hatred and discrimination than this executive order being signed today. It is a game changer. It will go down in history as one of the most important events in the 2,000-year battle against anti-Semitism. Thank you, Mr. President. You did a great, great job. The people who helped you do this did a great, great job. And you will be remembered by history for all time for having signed this very important order. Thank you. Okay, here's what this thing says, right? As all it says, there's a, a, a Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Uh, says you can withhold federal money from schools that discriminate on racial grounds. And all it says is if they discriminate, if there is, are discriminatory, discriminatory actions against Jews based on the way they look or based on things that might be uh, because of their nationality, these guys will be risking their federal dollars. So what it does is it's basically saying, we are watching you lousy universities with your stupid divestment uh, policies that stir up anti-Semitism, that make Jewish kids on American campuses, God help us, make Jewish kids on American campuses afraid because there's violence against them. There's mobs that surround them and people scream at them. We're watching you and you will lose your federal funding if you let that go on. That's all it does. It doesn't declare that Jews are a nationality. It doesn't do any of that stuff. And so the left says, this is, this is anti-Semitic in itself. This is a terrible thing. This is, all it does is protect the Jews. And why they don't like it is because it hampers this divestment, this, this hatred of Israel movement, which stirs up and is always, always underpinned by anti-Semitism. It always is. I mean, it's always the Muslim kids who are doing this, and it's always the leftists who hate the Jews and hate Israel. It's, it's, has always got that element of anti-Semitism. There's nothing wrong with criticizing Israel. There's nothing wrong with disliking Israel. If you dislike the, the country for being too free or whatever it is, uh, for being too beautiful, too free, too, too healthy, too wealthy, I don't know what it is. But, but when this becomes uh, a problem for Jewish students on American campuses, the feds are watching. Good for, good for Trump. Dershowitz is right. It was the right thing to do. It was a good thing to do. And the fact that the left is criticizing it is absolutely shameful. Let me have a final reflection by talking about Richard Jewell, uh, um, Clint Eastwood's new movie uh, about this guy who was a security guard who was working uh, for AT&T in Centennial Olympic Park during the Olympics in Atlanta. And he found a bomb and he kept insisting we should look at this package. He alerted law enforcement and he saved lives. And soon the FBI began to suspect him and leaked the story to the Atlantic uh, uh, Journal, to the Atlanta newspaper, whose name just went out of my head, but I'll find it. Um, and and it then became the key suspect. And for three months, the press basically convicted him. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Here is uh, the trailer from this. Let's get a new tape going. All right, Richard, here's what we're going to do. We need a voice exemplar. I want you to say into this phone, there's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. 
Richard, you're a national hero now. Thank you, sir. But I was just doing my job. look at the guy who found the bomb just like you always look at the guy who found the body. Jewel fits the profile of the lone bomber. A frustrated white man who is a police wannabe who seeks to become a hero. We're running it. You're a suspect. You don't talk. I talk. Say it. I don't talk. This might be the only way to clear your name. I want you to say there's a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes. Stop trying to be their best friend. I was raised to respect authority. Authorities are looking to eat you alive. There's a bomb in Centennial Park. We have 30 minutes. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so it's a great cast. I mean, this is I've got a great cast. Now, Paul Walter Hauser, who plays Jewel, is terrific. He is absolutely great. You know, Sam Rockwell, one of my favorite actors, is great. Kathy Bates, always great. John Hamm, always great. Olivia Wilde plays the reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Kathy Scruggs. And I've known reporters just like her. I've known women like just like her. She is unbelievably real. It is a, such a pre precise performance. I hope she wins an award or whatever. You know, I, I hope she gets the attention she deserves. It's an amazing performance. The Journal-Constitution is complaining about it because she sleeps with the FBI agent. You know, some people are saying they, they're not sure whether she slept or suggests it. In the version I saw, unless he's edited it since then, she sleeps with him. There's no sex scene, but he says, are we doing this? And she says, yes. And they leave the bar. And so like you're, he, she sleeps with the FBI agent. To, uh, agent to get information out of him, to get the name of this guy, and then they crucify him as they did in real life. Now, here's the, the thing I want to just bring up. The critics are, ha some of them haven't even seen this yet, but some of them have, and they're going nuts. They're attacking this. And here's the Philadelphia Inquirer calls it the movie we don't need right now. We don't need, Clint, Clint, we don't need this movie right now. At some point, he says, during those two hours in the dark watching the movie, <laughs> He says, at some point, the United I began to wonder if I'd made a wrong turn. Was I really in a Philadelphia multiplex or had I wound up at President Trump's lie-larded Hershey rally taking place at exactly the same time? The Daily Beast says the filmmaker channels Trump talking points. And here's the thing that gets me about this. A lot of them say this. A lot of them say it's a pro-Trump film. The film is a true story. It shows the FBI working to destroy a guy without sufficient evidence. It shows the press work lying, working to destroy a guy without sufficient evidence, losing control of itself, and just going after a story that doesn't exist. That's what it shows. There's no Donald Trump in there. There's no, Don there's no Donald Trump. So why did they see Donald Trump? Why did they feel this was a Trump talking point? Oh yeah, because it's happening now. Clint Eastwood doesn't say that. They're saying it. Why does it if, it, if if that's not happening now, why does showing it happen? Why is showing it happening then bring Trump to their mind? Obviously, they know it's true. It is just amazing. It is just amazing that our press can be as dirty as they are, as corrupt as they are, as dishonest as they are, and never take responsibility for themselves. But as I said at the beginning of the show, they are losing their power. The lies are undercutting them. The truth is coming out. It is an amazing time to be alive. It is a great time to be alive. And as always, it's a great day to be free. Unfortunately, it's your last one because here comes the Clavenless weekend. You're doomed. But survivors, gather here on Monday. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Oh, hooray, hoorah. 
Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. And our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Sayovitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, but you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show, where you'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm.